The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. Your day in court is an exceptional show with exceptional lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. I'll introduce you to them in just a moment. We talk about all the things that are happening in the legal world. And we're going to start with the slap that was heard around the world and is still being talked about today. We'll discuss it. Is there some sort of legal angle to this? There absolutely could be. First, I want to introduce you to uh, Ray and Bruce and how you get a hold of these guys if you ever get in trouble with the law or need a expert legal guidance. Bruce, how do people reach you? Great to be here today. Yes, very easy to get a hold of me. Bruce at Hagen-Law.com is the email address, and that's H-A-G-E-N. Check out the Hagen-Law website because we got a ton of great information there. A uh, great picture of me and my bike kit right on the cover. I mean, that's, that's worth seeing just by itself. Um, <laughs> it is. But you can call me. Um, I did this last week because Ray has uh, guilted me into it, but I, I'm so happy to give out my cell number. It's 404-202-2233. And uh, at Peeps Lawyer on Twitter, please follow along. And also, if you have any suggested topics for this show, yeah, absolutely, uh, go ahead and tweet them at us because uh, we love to hear back from you. No question about it, Ray. Yeah, happy Saturday, spring Saturday in Atlanta. It's yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yep. I have a, a brick red infinity that apparently somebody spray painted bright green overnight oh i know right yeah <laughs> it's just funny because i have a red pickup truck the same thing can't breathe eyes are running uh and dog is sneezing but anyway 404-964-4185 is my cell number 404-554-8800 is the office here in roswell now hey bruce did you ever read a great book called zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance i certainly did yeah i, I was wondering all of a sudden it hit me about your cycling even though it's bicycling, but the whole mantra is the same, right? Before you go on a 50-mile bike ride, bicycle ride, you've got to check your air pressure, tighten up your spokes, grease the chain, et cetera, et cetera, and have your, your kit and your tools to fix the bike on the road. All of that, and, and that's part of the whole process. That's part of what makes it so great and It's very zen. And you're, and you're very right. mentally engaged in it. And, I did and a little. I've done a couple of century rides back when I was a little younger. How about that? Madison. It's a Madison, Georgia to, to make it and back. I did that about three times. That's Goodness. a great ride. That seems like a long way. <laughs> you know, the first... <laughs> First, the first 50 is not bad because I was riding a lot when yeah. I was younger, yeah, and, yeah. You, and you, it's early in the morning, and you're fired up. The next 20 are okay, and then at about mile 72, you say, this is the stupidest <laughs> effing thing. I, if <laughs> my father or grandfather off the boat from Italy saw me doing this, and he slapped me upside my head. Question yourself. And all 1,500 other people doing it with you. <laughs> That's right. What is the matter with y'all? All right. Talking about slapping uh, and, and, and taking front and center of the Oscars, the Academy Awards, last Sunday. Will Smith goes up on stage and slaps Chris Rock for something that Chris Rock had said about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and a condition that she has 
the media has been, I mean, this is, story has been out of control. Everybody knows all about it now, so we don't got to go through the details necessarily. But from a legal point of view, what could or should happen, Bruce? Well, let's start from a premise that this was a real event, okay, okay? and not, not something staged. So, so let's start with that. I understand there are certain cynical people, some of whom might even be in this room right now. One to your right, who, maybe. Who may believe that this was a staged event to help provide a little bit of buzz for the Oscars, which seems to be lacking in that uh, recent for sure. years. Uh, but if it was a real event, then what we saw was um, a comedian on stage making a joke about a public figure, and it... You might think it was a joke in bad taste, but Jada Pinkett Smith is certainly a public figure and saying something about her that um, could be disparaging, but it's a joke by a comedian. Whether you think it's funny or not, different story. And then unprovoked, you see the husband, Will Smith, come walking up to the microphone where Chris Rock is standing, and Chris Rock laughing. Um, I would ask you, uh, Tug, because this is kind of the question here, do you think that as... Will Smith was approaching Chris Rock, that Chris Rock was in any fear at all for his own personal safety at that no, point. No, because I believe he knew it was coming. All right, if I mean, it, that's the cynic in me. Again, if, if he didn't know it was coming, yes. do, you, do you believe, looking at him, that he was in any fear for his personal Did safety? Did not appear to be, no. And so this is what differentiates an assault from not being an assault. And Ray can go into a little bit more detail here. But the, in the aftermath of this, and this is my nerdy, you know, I went to law school side um, standing out here because it was drilled into me of like, um, this the difference between assault and battery. And, and if you're not in fear of your own personal safety or imminent harm about to come to you, it's not an assault. Right, so Ray, okay. Ray can expand on. Yeah, that. you don't have to because that, yeah, I'm completely lost. Well, now. well, you can be, you can have an assault without a battery. Okay. okay. So if I'm chasing you around the the studio here with my Louisville Slugger, swinging it but missing you, that's an assault. Okay. When I when my when the bat gets you upside the head on the trademark, there's the ah, battery. Got okay. It. Okay. So, so now, but the real question, defined. the next question, and we we chatted this, after the battery, Will Smith goes back to his seat. And then I think he then does make an assault. It starts Let, chirping. Yeah, well, it's pretty threatening. Get your my wife's name out of your mouth. And this is from a guy who just slapped slapped yeah. him upside the head. Yeah. So he is in position, has shown his willingness to execute on the threat. Yeah, it's the, it's the unspoken or else. That's right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Get, you know, right. get my wife's effing name out of your mouth or name out of your effing mouth. Yeah. Um, or what? And, and and so it's that or else or I'll come up and hit you well, again. Well, because I already have. Yeah, yeah right. I'm, I'm, and so, I can so, do it. So the so the slap really was a, a battery, quite plainly. You know, he made physical contact uh, there. You know, if I were to if he were to go up there and raise his fist and cock it like he was going to throw a punch, and Chris Rock believed that he was going to throw a punch. That's an that would have been an assault. This happened so That's quickly, and it was in the moment. You you know maybe you think he's going to take the microphone and say something funny or whatever. Go back to ABC Wide World of Sports on Saturday, and how many times did Muhammad Ali threaten to slap the taste out of Howard Cosell's mouth? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, right. Punt, jabbing at him, swinging at him. I think he did knock that toupee loose a little bit one time. <laughs> <laughs> go back, yeah. but but Howard knew that was part of the shtick. Yeah, and and Howard would had to have had a reasonable belief that he was in danger, in danger here, right. as opposed to. This is this guy just playing. And Howard with me. Cosell, trivia question. What did he do before becoming a journalist? He a was boxer. a lawyer. Oh, he was lawyer. a lawyer. Interesting. <laughs> Even though Chris Rock said, I'm not going to press charges, is there any way that charges could come about because an actual assault and battery happened? Yeah. You've got law enforcement that watched this 
it's a crime. They could take out a warrant, conduct an investigation, call a grand jury. It's a, to me, it's a misdemeanor, so I don't think you'd have a grand jury, but yeah. But it looks like now, – now, you've talked about that you think this might have been set up. Like, I do. I do believe maybe that. boost the ratings like some of these fashion disasters where, oops, you some should... part of my body fell out of my, my skimpy mm-hmm. dress. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Or, or uh, somebody released that porno video yes, without right. my absolution, <laughs> yeah, right. and, and but, I'm going to be – But I'm going to tell you why I don't think so. Okay. If, if I have my choice as a man mm-hmm. between you punching me in the jaw or slapping me, yeah. punch me in it's my a, jaw. Yeah, Don't you slap course. me. That's an insult. Yeah. So Chris Rock didn't say, yeah, come on up and be slap me. Yeah. He might have said, come up and take a swing at me like a man. Now, yeah. that, 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 would, that would be more consistent with what men would do. That's just yeah. my, maybe, that's yeah, my maybe. streets of Yonkers view. I understand. And I also uh, think that you, you know Will Smith was certainly in a position as one of America's most beloved actors and and sort of the heir apparent to Tom Hanks' uh, role as, sure. as currently, you know, America's yeah. golden child when it comes to anything. And, and, you know, Will Smith was next in line for that. And I think this is a, a taint on his reputation, no matter how you look at it. And he can apologize. I think they're can, managing it, though. Well, they are. I, but, I, but it's so funny. I, I feel like Chris Rock um, and, and Hollywood in general, you know, they're probably like two... PR crisis management teams out there, and they're both from the same school of, hey, we're going to apologize, and and I looked at they'll they'll do something together and yeah, come forward yeah, and yeah, as but but you know this idea of you can say something that's hurtful to my spouse, and I'm going to stand up for my spouse by hitting you, and love makes you do crazy things. Um, how many times, Ray, have you heard that uh, sure. as an exculpatory sure. uh, statement from somebody at sentencing Listen, who's, who's to pleaded be, guilty uh, it, to say that, you know, I shouldn't, you, you can't hold me accountable here because love may be doing c- some crazy crime things. Crime of passion, especially for homicides with love triangles, was a real legitimate defense, like a, a statutory defense. You said was. Is it not anymore? In most states it's not. Interesting. It's still jury argument, and a, and the right jury can say, yeah, he, you know, one of, uh, we talked about the uh, show that I've been a legal commentator for, and it's, it's about a husband who's cheating on his wife. She goes out and gets the Bowie knife. It's called Fatal Attractions. It's a show. It'll be on in a couple months. And she stabs him up in the motel. Mm. Well, you know, she's got a little bit of an argument. If the right jury... You, yeah, get, you yeah. get the right jury yeah. that, that may, may just come back on manslaughter or something. But my point is that I don't think that's his defense. There was enough distance. It was no threat. Also, I heard this on the radio this morning. I can't confirm it. But apparently Will Smith and many of his different things that he's done talent-wise has kind of got a little comic act going on on YouTube where he takes some comments and insults at people. It's kind of part of the business. Totally is. And, you know, look at Dave Chappelle, who probably has gone a little too far. But, you know, it's comedy. Remember Lenny Bruce and oh you know, God, Don Sam Rickles? And, and that, you know, that's how people made their living. And people paid good money to sit up in front Murphy. of Row of Vegas and be, yeah. and be criticized. Just, just remind me to wear my body armor and helmet when I go to the Will Smith Comedy Central roast. And I'm on the dais there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be exactly prepared. Right. Come on. Yeah. You know, that would be good pub. It'd be so great. Yeah, it would be great. What, what, you back know it. Hit back me, to the reason that I think maybe all this is a little bit of a sham. The good pub that comes with it. You're exactly right. But either way. Way, either way, it's a fascinating conversation and and good to know for people that you know are in that situation when they're ready to go knock somebody's block off because they said something ugly to the wife. You know, yeah. you, you got to be ready for it. That's right. And and there are other ways to resolve disputes besides Seemingly. physical violence. And, and look, Will Smith 
you know, how did he get started? Right, as the Fresh Prince, he's a he's a wordsmith. He's a rapper. Right. Right. Use your words. That's you, right. you have every you have an enormous <laughs> platform here. Not to mention that he was the odds-on front runner to win for Best Actor. You knew you'd be taking the stage with you know within five minutes. And your wife is a very vocal advocate for alopecia. Apparently, I had no idea mm-hmm. before I didn't, I didn't, I didn't that she had it. I didn't but she, but she's very capable of speaking up and. Uh, Speaking for herself. Hey, look, and and she's a beautiful woman. Anyway, it goes. And and look, even hair or no hair, she's a beautiful woman. And and I noticed that. That's the one thing I think I kept seeing is how pretty she was, even without hair. You know what I mean? Like you think beautiful woman, lots of hair and all that. And and there's very few that can pull it off quite like she did. But she's I don't know. a Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. Well, look, Ray, I think Ray, Ray has her poster up in his room still. <laughs> Nothing compares to you. I love it. That was the only hit that I remember anyway. Yeah, this is uh, Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we come back, a Supreme Court justice's wife has some political ideas, and what does it mean for him? We'll talk about that next on Extra 106.3 on Your Day in Court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Coward. This is Extra 1063. If you ever miss one of our episodes, you can listen to them in podcast form on Apple. You can listen to Spotify's podcast platform. You can listen to them on Amazon or Google Play. You can also get it by downloading the Extra 106.3 app and listening to Your Day in Court on demand. Judicial ethics is the topic for this segment, uh, This segment, and Democrats have been criticizing Clarence Thomas for not recusing himself from cases related to the January 6th Capitol riot after it was revealed that his wife sent text messages to then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows urging him to challenge Donald Trump's 2020 election loss. People have been asking for him to recuse himself or be impeached. So there's, there's, it seems like a whole lot going on here. Where do y'all want to start with this? It's certainly a deep dive. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, Ray and I as lawyers and certainly judges are part of a profession 
that is bound by a, a code of ethics. It, it may be hard for some of the listeners to accept that premise, but we are professionally required to adhere to ethical rules that are governed by the Supreme Court of our state, just like in every other state, the Supreme Court deals with this, and failure to follow those rules results in sanctions, which could include being disbarred. Judges are also required to be bound by a rule of ethics. Now, the issue with a U.S. Supreme Court justice uh, who has a lifetime appointment is that who is there really to to monitor the, the ethics of the judge. One of the key concepts that um, comes into all of our interactions with the public and others is not just are you acting in a manner that's improper, but is there an appearance of impropriety? And a lot of times this comes down to questions of conflicts of interest. You know, if, if let, let's say that this would never happen, but let's say that Ray was driving a car and, you know, somebody got hurt through something that happened here and you know, now I'm involved as a lawyer. Well, I have a professional relationship with Ray. Does that create an appearance of impropriety? Not to mention that we're close friends, right? Would it, would it, it might not be an ethical violation myself. There might not be anything wrong that I'm doing, but it certainly looks bad if I'm advocating where it's involving a friend and somebody that I work with, right? And I get that quite often when I've got, I get a call, uh, somebody's been, re- is being represented by a local lawyer in a matter they're not happy, or perhaps it's just a breakdown in communications, which quite frankly, nine, eight, nine out of a hundred times, it's just a breakdown. And I usually tell clients, go sit in his office. If you have to send him a text an email and a FedEx that you need to talk before you start firing your lawyer and making accusations, you know, push, push it a little bit. But, but I always try to ask like, who is it? You know, they don't want to often tell me. And I'm like, well, look, I'm not going to criticize you. Put me in a bad spot, number one. If I'm, I'm going to criticize Bruce Hagen's work on a case because I number one, am friends, and number two, no, he does fantastic legal work. And you're making me tell you, caller, that it's probably your fault, number one. Uh, and if I refer something out, I usually try to give two or three names, so there's not an appearance that I'm funneling cases to a certain lawyer or getting a kickback, things like that. So we, you know, it's about the appearance of impropriety. You want to make sure people have confidence and faith in our system. Um, talking about uh, Supreme Court justices, we, they have a lifetime appointment, of course. The only way to remove a Supreme Court justice is impeachment. And I think Bruce was looking this morning, there's never been a Supreme never Court justice been. of the United States Supreme Court impeached. Now, I'm wondering, could if I'm assuming that all of our Supreme Court justices, we know they have law degrees, but are they members of any bar association? Probably at least the D.C. bar, right? You would think, and, and wherever they came from and started their Correct. practice, members of well, a state bar Well, uh, former President Bill Clinton, when he was in, un, impeached but not convicted, well, I think it was so, several states Arkansas, s- uh, right? suspended his—the uh, the bar association suspended his privilege to practice law in that state. So yeah. there, there is one little extra way that they could be punished. Well, you, you could be a uh, sitting U.S. president without having that That's law right. degree, uh, but how could you be a sitting U.S. Supreme Court no, justice I think you can. without being a bar I member? I think you can. I, I think you probably can, too. I, I, so. I, I think you can, and I, I'm not sure—I'm not a total Supreme Court historian— but I'll bet way back when there were some some justices that weren't members of the bar. I'll bet. Because when I started practicing law here in Metro Atlanta, there were some lower, no no, no slur entitled, when I say lower level judges, I just mean probate courts and traffic courts, where the probate judges, and it was, it was common in probate courts in the country, were not judges. 
Right. A lot of the probate judges, especially in the smaller counties, yeah. are local lawyers right. who, who uh, sit in once right. a once a week, once a month, and um, serve as judge. Same with municipal court and uh, magistrate court. They do right. that. So, yeah, no doubt. And, and so this all came up in the context of um, Justice Thomas and his wife um, and whether Justice Thomas should be sitting on the court and, and voting in any capacity and considering anything having to do with a challenge to anything having to do with um, the congressional investigation of what went on on January 6th. This week, a federal judge in California was looking at a um, an issue of whether um, President Trump's lawyer um, Eastman um, could be compelled to, ha- John Eastman, could be compelled to have to turn over emails and, and Eastman was, and Trump were trying to argue that there's executive privilege attached to these and they should not be subject of uh, congressional inquiry into, right? They can't, they're not, and they're not ruling on any of the merits here. They're just saying whether or not this is the subject of uh, something that can be discovered by Congress. And the judge's ruling was that, yes, these emails do have to be turned over. And and the key sentence of the opinion was that based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. That, that's what the judge included in his opinion. And so what happens if Eastman's team Trump's team decide that we want to appeal that decision, which they certainly can. They can appeal it. This is an appeal that it may not go directly to the U.S. Supreme Court. There may but be it, an intermediate but it has court, a way to make but, it there. but will make its way or could make its way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so if you play this thing out, how do you allow this? First of all, John Eastman isn't just Trump's lawyer, but he's also very close personal friends with Clarence Thomas and um, his wife, Ginny, right? Very close personal friends. She's in constant contact with him. Apparently, there's a whole slew of emails between the two of them, separate from the emails with Mark Meadows that were disclosed. And how could you have Clarence Thomas being in a position to make a decision on this um, if it ever comes that far without saying that, you know what, I have to recuse myself from this because my wife is intimately involved in this process and I'm, un- I'm unfairly influenced. And certainly there's this appearance of impropriety. Well, I, let me let me take a little bit of a disagreement with this judge's opinion. Uh, the, the issue before this judge was whether or not executive privilege <laughs> protects the individual. And what Bruce just read and was what the judge wrote is just a political statement. It's a political statement. He did not have to, he or she did not have to write that to rule as to whether or not Attorney Eastman is, and, and the documents are protected by executive privilege. So it's going to be appealed. You may have the the first level appeals judge. Is that in California, Bruce? Yes. So and, it goes and, to the Ninth Circuit. They may send it back to this judge and say, how about writing your opinion based on legalese, not political theory or, or your personal opinion, which I, I think it is, you know, based on. And and therefore it will distill the issue down to executive privilege and the use of presidential power and privilege and relationships, attorney client, you know, he's the attorney to the president. And these issues were all discussed way back when in President Nixon's impeachment fifty years ago, which I watched every day of the Senate Judiciary huh. hearings back in the day. Uh, and uh, and and got to meet uh, Senator Howard Baker, by the way, the hero who asked the question, "What did the president know, and when did he know it?" A few older folks yeah, out history, there, history buffs. But but so Bruce, I I, I don't think it's going to be an issue of uh, does he have does Justice Thomas have to recuse himself because the, by then the judicial issues will be stripped out of the political invective that this judge 
on his own or her own put into this case, and it'll just be a pure question of presidential executive authority and and presidential pardons and you know the whole panoply will probably get up there right. but not the political issue there's also an issue here of attorney client privilege mm-hmm. communications and um something called the crime fraud exception that allows that privilege to be pierced in certain instances and that was part of the basis for this decision as well and so there are legal issues there but again th- this this coming up the chain when the 101 emails that are the subject of this and other emails could very well invo- involve a sitting chief ju- or a sitting Supreme Court justice's wife being in, in that email chain. It just seems like something that that l- the optics are terrible. Well, right? no, no, that's and, and, a separate and, issue. And so, and so, but no, sure. that's what we're talking about when we're talking about appearance of impropriety right. here. You know, we, we we already had an eight to one vote. Uh, in the Supreme Court as to disclosure of uh, emails being requested by the January 6th committee, where the only vote against was from Clarence Thomas before any of this came out that his wife's name came up in 29 emails with Mark Meadows. So, you know, it, it's it's a big issue um, as it relates to the court. And certainly, um, you know, there's a lot of layers to it that most it's not it's 98 percent political. Um, but Two percent of it is the part that sort of is at the heart of the Constitution, at the heart of the faith that people have in our judicial system, and and so that's that's where I, it gets interesting to I, me. I agree, but I mean, I grew up, and um, you know, one of the most liberal justices that ever sat on the bench was Justice Douglas, and Justice Douglas, who penned many of the very important um, civil rights decisions under the under the Burger Court. And, and the Earl Warren court. In fact, it was the Earl Warren court, correct? To Earl Warren, who was the former <laughs> governor of California, and uh, I think he was appointed by, by uh, Johnson. Uh, and Douglas had a very active political life off the bench, very active. He was involved with many left-leaning organizations. His opinions mirrored their positions. Uh, he was brilliant, and he was a fantastic writer, and even his dissents, which later became majority opinions, which is one day we'll talk about why would you write a dissent or a concurrence. It's because you're hoping that the power of the court changes <laughs> changes hands, and one day you get the same issue comes up or a similar issue, and now you you get to write the majority opinion. Uh, and so I, I don't think Thomas is going to recuse himself. Uh, I'm sure Justice Roberts will will probably take that decision himself so that it has that, excuse me, appearance of impropriety on behalf of the Supreme Court. Has that, how often does that happen where a, a justice on the Supreme Court would recuse themselves? Is that very, very rarely? It's okay. rare. You know, if, if it's a case that they may have heard when they were um, mm-hmm. a judge at a lower level, that would be a time that they typically recuse themselves. If you're, you know, you're asking the Supreme Court to rule on something that this judge has already ruled upon at a lower level or maybe overturned a decision that just that justice made that would be an example it's rare that there's that sort of a direct conflict um that they couldn't do it sometimes i mean you have law former law partners arguing cases they don't recuse themselves for that you have folks who belong to the same country clubs and uh um, church the, the church by and, the time and, you make it to the supreme court You've met a lot of people. A lot of people have helped you, funded your campaigns if you were in politics or help you get an appointment or a chair, an endowed chair at Harvard. You've made a lot of friends and are affiliated with a lot of organizations. And you've spoken. You've spoken at the Federalist Society or you've spoken to the the lefties of the world in the Upper East Side of New York. And that doesn't make you 
uh, have to recuse yourself when some certain issues, conservative political or liberal political, come up in front of you. Right. At, at you know, the level that Ray and I deal with for the trial of cases at the state court level, um, there can be requests to recuse occasionally. And, uh, you know, I, I've never made one. I've never asked a, a judge to really? recuse himself. And I'll tell you a story about it in a second. But uh, I had, had a, a funny instance it's, here. But I've never I've never asked a judge. Because what happens if they say no? And it's and it's enti- uh, entirely in their discretion at that point whether or not to recuse themselves. And on any given day, any case I have is in front of a judge who, who at least 50% of the bench was a member of the prosecutor's office. Like last week, and they and the governor appointed them to a judge. So when my client's case was arrested, charged, indicted, and pursued, another member of that office and under the district attorney of that county was prosecuting that case. That judge is not going to request recuse himself unless they worked directly on the case. Yeah. I'll t- so so the story I'll tell you, and I, I may have told you this before, Tug, but I had a case for um, a judge who was pretty newly elected, um, and in the course of her election, there were about five other candidates, one of whom I supported pretty strongly and put a huge sign in front of my yard um, for, for the opponent, right? And so um, there was a runoff between two, the top two finishers, neither one of which got over 50%. Um, and so the guy I backed was not one of the top two finishers. Well, right. I then put another sign in my yard supporting <laughs> the other person. Um, and and my, you have to understand, my office is spitting distance from the DeKalb, uh, DeKalb County Courthouse. Right. So this judge saw had my, my two signs <laughs> was, every single day. There's like right? spotlights on. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, here we are, and I've raised money for these guys. But, but we're both often asked by multiple candidates for the same position yeah. to yeah. donate and contribute yeah. or support. Yeah. And I try to keep it even. And I always try to disclose, hey, I've already written a check to you know, yeah. candidate X, but in, in allowing you guys or gals to have a really good conversation and a good race, I'll write you a check too. Yeah. When I get calls that. now for money, uh, yeah, I, I assume it's from CC'd listeners, and, and I just tell the person, <laughs> I say, Judge, I'm sorry, but you must be confusing me with Ray Judice. Here's his number. <laughs> and, I'm this is, and by the way, this is his cell phone, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't play golf, and he doesn't hunt, and so Fish. he answers no, it all no. the time. No, no, so anyway, so, so, yeah, so, yeah. I, so I end up having a trial like a month into this judge's um, the newly elected judge is now appointment in the state court, and I'm there for trial, and the judge says, um, Counselor, I'd like you both to approach this. I just want to let you know in the interest of full disclosure that the defense lawyer in this case was a financial backer of my campaign, um, and if you think that that raises any type of impropriety, um, I would be willing to recuse myself from this trial. Uh, and I Amia said, Judge, I do not think there's any reason for you to recuse yourself. My only request is that you disclose how much she um, paid you so I can either match or double that donation <laughs> myself to help you pay down exactly the campaign right. debt. And, and, and she laughed, and everybody got a laugh out of it, and we just That's moved great. on. But I, I just felt like in the long run, yeah. asking her to recuse herself over this would have been a, a worse mistake and worse for my client than, than anything. You're listening to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. So uh, quickly, quickly we're going to... Can I get Yes, yeah, absolutely. Did, Bruce, did you ask your client how to handle that? Yes, my client was okay. not in the room when this conversation was taking right. place, <laughs> uh, but I did tell them about it. Right, yeah. right. And then again, so just to dig down a little deeper, we're, we're even obligated to tell a client that we're not going to recuse ourselves because we wrote a $300 check to a candidate because we think it's in our client's best interest, mm-hmm. and this is the, this is what we have to deal with. Yeah, right. so, but, but are there are there or have there been times where you didn't think it was in your best interest or your client's best interest to ask a judge to recuse themselves? 
but in the back of your head you thought maybe that it would be good if they did? Well, I know there are times when I have felt we, I've got the wrong judge for this case. Okay. And, 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 you know, we don't get to pick the judge. No, of course. We file a lawsuit, and, and there's a either a wheel of rotation that they go by of who's next when the lawsuits get fi- get filed. You can maybe work the system if you know the clerks well enough, but but for the most part, you don't get to pick your judge. Well, now, in a civil lawsuit, uh, like a personal injury lawsuit case, let's say we filed it in the state court of whichever county, and we're really unhappy either with the ass- judicial assignment or perhaps how the case is flowing. We, one time, it used to be two times back in the day, we can dismiss without prejudice. That means we got service of process and we, we uh, filed the lawsuit before the statute of limitations. We pay the court costs, which is usually just filing fees. And then we're, gonna eat, we're not going to refile in the state court because it's going right back to the same judge. Now we're going to refile in the superior court and get a whole new bank of judges. Right. And some counties you can do that, but you still don't know you still don't who know. you're getting. You just know you're not getting that judge right. that there was a reason you wanted to get out you of there. You can't do court. any of this in yeah. a criminal world. Criminal yeah. case world, you get that judge. And that's why I always try to get to the courtroom early and see if Judge Jones or – these are not real names, folks. I'm making no. them. Judge X. Yeah. The, you know, and I'm like, why is, oh, he? why is he not here? And who's sitting for him? Oh, great. Or, oh, oh no. no. Did, I, did I mention that doctor's appointment I had today? <laughs> no, Can we reset? I, 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 I had hurts. a terrible case once. I mean, it was a, a, what I thought was a great case, terrible, awful facts involving this one family. But, you know, we had what who – had a perception as being a good judge if you're the plaintiff, meaning that he's the sort of judge who's not going to throw your case out. He's going to let your case go to trial and let a jury make a decision, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to stay out of the way. Mean, good judge. neutral. Yeah, being neutral, right? Right? which is what we're so, looking for. Yeah, so so we, had, uh, we were defending um, the defense's um, what's called a motion for summary judgment, which is basically saying that, hey, we want this case thrown out uh, before it ever gets to a trial because based on the facts as they've come out during the course of our discovery, you know, our interrogatories and depositions, that these facts do not support a legal theory where you can recover. And so the case can be thrown out. A judge doesn't let uh, the case go to a jury. And we believed, oh, we'll be fine with this motion for summary judgment. We've got a great argument in opposition to it, and this judge will recognize our great argument. Well, when our case came for oral argument, meaning that, you know, now we get to go to court to argue, we'd already submitted our briefs, the judge we loved so much was on vacation. Uh, and, oh, and, no. and was gone for two weeks. And so we had a sitting judge who was a retired judge that they brought back to, you know, hear cases. And this retired judge, if I had known this was the guy, you would have never done I it. would never. I'd say, I'd say, we need to do what Rage said. We need to yeah. dismiss, file yeah. a superior court and roll the dice and hope we get somebody better. Because this guy, you might as well have an insurance adjuster sitting on the bench. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I'm I mean, sure. like from the bench, he says, you know, case dismissed, motion granted, case dismissed. It's like, what just happened here? Yeah. You know, and so, so yeah, lessons learned as a young lawyer, yes. which is why you know you want an experienced lawyer when you're. And by the way, things. you can take a legal pad, the one in front of Bruce, and when you saw that judge walk out that you didn't expect, you could have said, "Your Honor, I'm handwriting my dismissal without prejudice." So that means you can refile if you dismissal with prejudice means it's closed, and file with the clerk of court right in the courtroom. Yeah. Date stamp it and walk out of the courtroom and refile somewhere else. Oh, wow. So funny. You know, my, my dad was a criminal lawyer in the Bronx, and um, he didn't have much of an office. He was one of these guys who just lived in the courthouse, and he said, uh, I lead the league in handwritten pleadings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if, it, if you win a case and the judge asks you to the write league. the order, I love it. you stay right there in that courtroom and handwrite that order and get it hand-signed by the judge and file before you leave the courthouse. Many a young lawyer has gone home to find out that overnight the judge slept on it and changed his or her mind the next day 
or wrote the order not the way you heard it. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. you you always have a legal pad with you, and it's also be order of the court. So it comes now and bump 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 signature yeah. line. But the judge if, signs. If you're, it. if you're really organized, you print something out ahead of time. That's correct. Anticipating that a judge is going to rule in your favor right. and putting in the language that you want, so that you can present, Judge, I have an order. Grant, you know, granting the motion, and 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 they love that because they don't have to. They do don't it. have to do yeah, the work. Right. Their clerk doesn't have to do and the it's work. Boom, it's closed. And and so now it's signed. It's stamped right then and there, and, and the clock starts running. What hey, folks, I- just one quick thing: if you ever wonder why you would pay a surgeon or a cook or an airline pilot or a lawyer a little bit extra because he or she has been flying that plane for thirty-five <laughs> years, it's these little things that yeah, you just, you don't. They didn't teach me never, that at Emory Law or it's all Florida about experience. University yeah. Law School. It's yeah. time in the air that you yeah. learn how to so, deal so, with turbulence. So as a young lawyer. I didn't know this, and and I um, was there was a sitting magistrate who was sitting into state court, and so he he granted my motion. He said, "Present an order, bring it to me in chambers if you don't have one here." Right. Well, his chambers were not. He wasn't a, a full time judge. He was more like a court administrator. I go down to his office, his, his uh, you know so called chambers the next day, and it's like a shrine to the Florida Gators. It, it is just <laughs> filled with Gator. And you're like, welcome. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I tell you I played football for University of yeah, Florida? Right. And we became great I'm friends. Sure. He That's was fantastic. such a, a, a help for me in, in my early part of my practice. Um, of course, he signed the order I presented, and and then some. Uh, so so yeah, it, that in that instance, going to his chambers turned out to be the greatest thing for me. That okay, give it time for one quick war story. Yeah, well, let's do it on the backside. Let's do it in the next we segment. Because I've got one that's just like that, except the other way. I love it. War <laughs> stories with uh, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, expert law. Uh, and if you find yourself in a situation where you need expert legal advice, then make sure you reach out to one of these two men. And at the end of the next segment, I will give you the opportunity Sorry. to get that contact information so you can reach out directly to these guys and make sure you have the best representation available for whatever your case is. We'll talk about terms and conditions that always get looked over next on Extra 106.3 and your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. 
Welcome back. Final segment of Your Day in Court. Terms and conditions. We all do the exact same thing when they pop up. You just click the box and keep going. What should you know about those terms and conditions? Let's say if you go to Truist Park, since the baseball season is just around the corner. want to get that from uh, Ray and Bruce here in just a second. But, Ray, you have a, uh, a war story left over from the last segment. Yeah, so I had been a baby prosecutor in the solicitor's office to Cab County. I was assigned to a wonderful judge who's passed, Judge Jack Smith. And Jack loved everybody, treated every lawyer and, and citizen in his courtroom with respect. And then I went into private practice, and I got a personal injury case, like Bruce does, a little automobile accident case, and it was assigned to just a wonderful lawyer, and I don't mind mentioning his name, Gene O'Brien, indicator. And Gene was older, and, you know, here I am full of spit and vinegar, and I've been assigned to Judge Smith's courtroom for a year, and he called me Ray, and I've been in chambers and all that, and I think I'm just going to work this older gentleman to death and charm the jury. Well, Judge Smith calls Gene and I back into chambers prior to trial, and Judge Smith had been a, a bombardier in World War II for the United States Army Air Force before there was an actual Air Force and had done 32 bombing raids over Germany. Well, he had two balsa wood models of bombers. I think it was a B-24 Liberator and a B-29 behind him on his credenza. Well, Gene sees it and says, Judge, I didn't know you do flu or you made models. And Gene says, yeah, uh, Judge says, yes, I was in, in the Army Air Force and served as a, as a bombardier. Well, it turns out these two guys had gone to flight school together. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In the middle of World War II as young guys. And they're hugging each other and referencing Colonel Miller who trained them. And I sat there and said... Don't ever overplay your hand right. because you really don't know who went to law school with the judge or is related to the judge or did a favor for the judge or is just a really good lawyer and is going to kick your butt even though they didn't, you know, put their elbows out during the first part of the litigation. So yeah. uh, play your cards carefully. Yeah. And again, it takes a you. long time to learn these things, doesn't it, Well, Bruce? but we go back to experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. And sometimes, about. like Ray and I will know, like you go into certain counties – and there may be a local guy, the local lawyer in that county that doesn't do a thing other than sit, check, and chair. With no, you. And, and so it's like, hey, you know what? I need you sitting next to me at this trial, and 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 it's worth it to have that connection. It may help with access to the judge. It may help with jury selection because they'll know this person and vice versa. Um, it makes all the difference in all the world. The, even, or they can tell you. Hey, by the way, Bruce, I think I know you like your case, but I went to law school with the judge. <laughs> we yeah. play golf on Sunday. He's not going to like your case. You need to talk to your client before you spend 10 days in trial and find out the hard Invaluable way. Invaluable information going back to experience. In just a few minutes, we'll tell you how to get in touch with Bruce and Ray in case you need legal advice, expert legal opinion. Uh, terms and conditions, it's so easy to click the box when you're downloading a, a ticket for a ball game since uh, baseball is back, or you're going to a concert, maybe you've bought parking, I don't know, from StubHub. Doesn't matter, you're going to wherever you're going to, but we all do it. Terms and conditions pop up, check it, check it, check it, just to get through it and get the ticket that you're waiting for to begin with. What are we signing away when we check those well, boxes. These days, it's more and more because the terms and conditions have only gotten longer. In the old days, when Ray and I went to law school, we talked about the rule involving the back of the ticket. And there's a limited amount of space to print items on the back of a ticket. But essentially, you were waiving the right to bring a claim if you got injured at the game. You're acknowledging that this is not a contractual relationship here. You're receiving a license to use this seat for this particular event, a license which can be revoked, meaning they can kick you out of there at any time if you violate their own uh, code of conduct, whatever that might be. Um, nowadays, with um, electronic tickets being the norm, 
the terms and conditions can be 27, 27 page pages, release, right? Like and, that credit card thing you get. Oh, yeah. And, or or, <laughs> okay. or if anybody's ever opened an account with a brokerage, right? Yeah. One, one of right. the real insidious things in terms and conditions releases is giving up your right to a jury trial. This is something that through the Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, through American Association of Justice, which is a trial lawyers organization, we fought hard against this because people are, are inadvertently waiving a constitutional right to a trial by jury. A broker from EF Hutton could wipe out your account. You could file suit against EF Hutton. I don't think they're still in business. That's why I bring them up. And, and you're not going to trial. You're yeah, going in front of an, arbit- no, an arbitrator, an arbitrator yeah, who right. probably is a came, former came from EFI, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. certainly an industry professional. Absolutely, and 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 so yeah, the idea of uh, someone being outraged over that conduct just doesn't even exist. So what what if like if you get Braves tickets and you really want to go to the game, but you you, you know, let's say you take the time you actually read through it and you see something you don't agree with. What are your options? It's not like you can just say, no, I'm not going to do it, but then you can't go to the game. It's it's a great point. You're bringing up a a concept. I'm going to go back to law school again. First year contracts. It's called a contract of adhesion. Got no choice. And you have no choice in the matter, (laughs) right? If you don't like it, don't go. Don't come. You're at the counter at Avis and you want to rent the Dodge. Here's the contract. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a few boxes of discretion, how much coverage, how much coverage you want to be overcharged with (laughs) or for, but but, that's about it. (laughs) But that does create an argument that you did not enter this agreement voluntarily. And should therefore not be bound by its terms. And back so, to experience. Back to experience. And so there have been cases, and there are cases where people can pierce through um, the, these waivers on the back of tickets. You know, there's a case recently, by recently within the last few years at least, of some woman who fell off of a upper level at um, Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, but even I think at either SunTrust or the old Turner Field. I remember that. Um, you know, and was killed in the process. Yeah, there was somebody recently who got killed. Was it? At, it might have been at a Braves game uh, where she was. I don't know, trying to get a ball or a T-shirt or, yeah. or something, yeah. or just you know, take, taking a picture. You know, people taking yeah. selfies and they lean back and, and fall over rails. And so there are cases here where th- there's an argument that this was so foreseeable and the negligence was gross negligence, which can't be waived. Therefore, that that the team is or the owner is responsible for that gross negligence. And, and so now what we've seen are screens behind home plate extended all the way out yeah. to the foul poles, right? right? So yep. we put up with a little bit of an obstructed view to create an environment of That's more safety. more safety. There's a limit to how much they can raise the railings of these seats because then people couldn't see it all. And so um, they, they, you'll see more plexiglass, right? Mm-hmm. I see that at the um, at the Falcons games now at Mercedes-Benz yeah. Stadium. They have these plexiglass railings there so you can see through them, but they're much higher and much less likely that somebody's just going to drunkenly fall over the side of them. Yeah. Yeah. In 1970, Los Angeles Dodger player Manny Mota hit a line drive into the stands and killed a, killed a young fan. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, if you have ever looked at Dodger Stadium from an aerial and Yankee Stadium and any of the stadiums back in the day, there was so much foul territory. I mean, it's amazing how close we are now. In fact, uh, David Dickey has seats that are closer from his seat to home plate than to, the, the than, pitcher than the pitchers plate. the rubber is. Right. <laughs> They're less than 60 feet. They're 62 feet, 6 inches. Or, uh, 60 feet, 6 60 inches. 60 feet, thank you. But there's no time to react anymore. And so in recent years, the Braves and many teams have expanded yeah, so the netting all the way down yeah. the first line, first yeah. baseline. But you know what? It's most of our fault because what are we doing at the stadium? Look at our stupid We're phones looking at or our cell phone. We're talking Watch about the stinking game. <laughs> Watch the game, you know. Yeah, exactly but right. and that's why people didn't used to get a hit because they were keeping score with their little pencils yeah, and but watching the game. Don't blame me for eating ice cream if you're selling ice cream at the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair <laughs> point. That's an absolutely fair point. You're 100 percent correct. If you need legal expo- uh, legal advice, expert advice, Bruce, how do people get you? Please call. Me on my cell phone, 404-202-2233. Email me, bruce at hagen-law.com. 
Happy to talk to, to you about all of your personal injury needs and certainly help guide you if you need help with anything else. Right. Same thing, 404-964-4185, Ray G. Lawyer. That'll get you on my webpage, all that fancy stuff. Used to be it was so, you man, you really thought you arrived when you had a, a Bell South right. <laughs> webpage with, yeah. like, you know, no video or just yeah. three, how many pages of content do you have? Remember that battle? No but uh, you know what? The great thing is that folks can check you out before they come see you and see if they like you, how you move, and how you wear your suit. No and how doubt you, about how it. You do to, how you do your fancy talk. Let me tell you, there's nobody in Atlanta that I would call faster than I call one of these two, Bruce Hagen or Ray Judice. If you need that help, I encourage you to make a really good choice for yourself and your family and do the exact same thing. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.